Gift Biz Unwrapped, episode 246. Attention gifters, bakers, crafters, and makers. Pursuing your dream can be fun. Whether you have an established business or are looking to start one now, you are in the right place. This is Gift Biz Unwrapped, helping you turn your skill into a flourishing business. Join us for an episode packed full of invaluable guidance, resources, and the support you need to grow your gift biz. Here is your host, gift biz gal, Sue Monheit. Ho, ho, ho. Hi there, it's Sue, and thanks for joining me today on this special holiday episode of Gift Biz Unwrapped. My son says I turn into a 10-year-old at Christmas. Mm, He's probably right. But what other time of year can you add fantasy and all the traditions into your life without excuse as much as you can on Christmas? Traditions are so special. They bond us to one another and provide comfort and excitement with that expectation of familiar and heartwarming events. Those remembered from childhood. It's a time when we can celebrate memories of past relatives, too, since many of our individual family traditions have been handed down from them. In my family, we have a special four-foot Christmas tree that we've lovingly called the sugar plum tree. Somewhere in the 1940s, my grandfather braved the blizzardy Minnesota snow and went into the forest to find the perfect branch, one with lots of little baby branch extensions. He brought it home, painted it silver, and made a solid wooden base for it. All my life, I've seen this beautiful branch decorated with lights and ornaments. Our sugar plum tree. With the passing of my mom this year, I'm now the owner and protector of this cherished family tradition. Our sugar plum tree holds a prime position in our living room now for all to see. I have more family traditions, and I bet you do too. They're so worth sharing with future generations to experience, enjoy, and connect with those who came before. I thought it would be fun to go back and learn how some of the well-known traditions of Christmas got started. It's fascinating to discover the beginnings of symbols and activities I've always accepted but never really questioned. Taking into account all of our listeners, I'm limiting the focus as much as possible to non-religious traditions. Some of these, I think, are going to surprise you. Are you ready to discover things about Christmas you never knew before? Ho, ho, ho! Here we go! It's beginning to look a lot like Christmas! It all starts with setting the stage, which seems to always include snow. Why is that? Of course, the origin story of Christmas started in Bethlehem, So the idea of snow seems to be a little confusing. But the truth is, both Bethlehem and Jerusalem are on a range of hills, and there can indeed be snow from November to April. So it really is plausible. But the true connection with snow is from the Victorians. They were the ones who created the traditional Christmas we recognize, somewhere around 1837. At that time, Britain was in a mini ice age, and often a winter fair was held on the River Thames. This is how snow, ice, and cold weather became associated with the Christmas season. As the holiday approaches, Christmas cards begin arriving. 
the first one was mailed in 1842. It was the idea of Sir Henry Cole, a British government worker who helped set up the first public record office, what we now call the post office. He thought the service should be used by people of the community for things over and above government services. So he and an artist friend, John Horsley, designed the first card, which caused a little bit of controversy. Surprise, surprise. (laughs) Not because of the idea of holiday cards, but because one of the images on the card was a child being served a glass of wine. It would cause controversy today, too. I think they're right. Those first cards sold for one shilling, which would equate to about eight cents today. Frosty the snowman was a jolly happy soul With a corncob pipe and a button nose and two eyes made out of coal Frosty the snowman is a fairy tale they say He was made of snow, but the children know how he came to life one day. Earlier and earlier, but sometime as the season approaches, carols begin to be heard. Not many holidays have traditional songs attached to them the way Christmas does. And it's the act of caroling that makes it unique. Carols have been sung for thousands of years in Europe, but they were pagan songs sung for the winter solstice. They actually were used for all seasons, but only the Christmas caroling survived. Christians took over the tradition in 129 when a Roman bishop said that a song called Angel's Hymn should be sung for Christmas service. In 760, Comus of Jerusalem wrote another Christian hymn for the Greek Orthodox Church. After that, many composers everywhere started creating and forming what is now our Christmas caroling tradition. I just love the images that you see with family gathered around the piano, singing out all the Christmas carols and just enjoying being together. When else do we do this during the year? As a child, some of my friends and I would make a party of getting all bundled up, going out to houses, knocking on the door, singing Christmas carols, going to the next house, doing the same thing, and then hopping back to the originator's house for hot chocolate and marshmallows. Oh my gosh, what great memories. Also, part of setting the scene are all the decorations. As the years have gone on, some may say it's getting a little bit out of hand. I just think it's all in such good fun. But where did it start? Oh, ho, the mistletoe. Mistletoe grows on a number of trees like willow, apple, and oak. The ancient droids believed it possessed mystical power and brought good luck and fended off evil spirits for your household. It's also a sign of love and friendship, according to Norse mythology. That's where kissing under the mistletoe came from. The mistletoe is really easy to hang. But then comes the Christmas tree, and as we all know, that's a bigger job. Deck the halls with boughs of holly, la 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 Tis the season to be jolly, la 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 Don we now our gay apparel, la 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 Troll the ancient yuletide carol, la 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 
nobody's exactly sure where the Christmas tree originated. Trees and branches have been used throughout time to celebrate winter festivals. Also, to decorate homes during the winter as a reminder that spring will come. And Christians use it as a sign of everlasting life with God. Most likely, Christmas trees began about a thousand years ago in Northern Europe. Funny enough, at that time, they were hung upside down from the ceiling, just like chandeliers. So in whatever form it comes, we now have a tree. But what about the ornaments? These originated in Germany in the 16th century. 200 years later, the tradition came to America, where it was initially rejected by Puritans because of its pagan origins. But the German settlers were persistent, and decorating for the holidays started to catch on. In the late 1840s, an image was published showing Queen Victoria celebrating Christmas with her German-born husband, Prince Albert, and their family. Included was a decorated evergreen tree, and, as many times happens with royal family practices, Christmas tree decorating then began in earnest. Enter commercialism. In the 1890s, Woolworths, which is an old U.S.-based retailer, some of you young ones may not know, sold German hand-blown glass ornaments. That evolved into decorating trees with tinsel, silk, and even wool in the olden days. It was in 1973 that Hallmark introduced their famous keepsake ornaments, limited edition specials created and collected by millions every year. And of course, we can't have Christmas without all the lights. In the olden days, accompanying ornaments on the trees would be lit candles. I remember when I was a little girl, I went for piano lessons to my European piano teacher. True to tradition, there would be a beautiful tree aglow with these tall, thin candles, and yes, lit with real flames. Oh my gosh, it was so beautiful, but all I can think of now is all of the fires these were sure to have caused back then. Enter Thomas Edison in 1880, who installed his new electric light bulbs in his office. It was actually his colleague, Edward Johnson, who strung 80 red, white, and blue lights together for his New York apartment, and that began the Christmas tree lights that we know today. At that time, though, only rich people could afford electric lights on their trees, because very few even had electricity. Widespread use of lights started in 1895 with President Grover Cleveland when he used them in the White House. The tradition of the National Christmas Tree on the White House lawn started a little while later, in 1923, with President Calvin Coolidge. Back then, a string of 24 lights cost $12. That may sound cheap, but we're talking about only 24 lights. I just purchased a string of 200 lights this year for the same price. All right, now the stage is set. We've got snow, Christmas cards and caroling, the mistletoe is hung, the tree is lit and decorated. What's next? The main characters, of course. We've got so many to choose from. There's Scrooge, the Grinch, and Frosty, to name a few. But let's focus on the top two. Jolly old St. Nicholas, lean your ear this way. 
Ah, Santa Claus, Father Christmas, Pierre Noel, Chris Kringle. This figure is known by many names across the land. Here's the most famous story about how Santa Claus came to be. Once upon a time, there was a very poor man with three daughters. He couldn't afford a dowry, which meant his daughters could never get married. One night, a man named Nicholas secretly dropped a bag of gold down the poor man's chimney. It fell into a stocking that had been hung by the fire to dry. This allowed the first daughter to be married. Nicholas repeated this gesture again for daughter number two. Now the poor man desperately wanted to know who was doing this, so he hid by the fire every night until he caught Nicholas in the act. Nicholas didn't want people to know it was him, but the secret couldn't be kept. Once word got out, anytime someone received a secret gift, they thought it was from Nicholas. There are other ideas about the chimney entrance. In pagan lore, hearths were thought to contain spirits or gods important to the prosperity of the household, and the fire itself was sacred. There was also the belief that supernatural creatures like elves and fairies entered the house through chimneys. There are various extensions of this story and its evolution, but suffice it to say that this character, regardless of his name and origin story, stands for giving to others and providing happiness and goodwill. But now, Santa needs to get around. He's got a lot to do in just one night. Enter... Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer had a very shiny nose. And if you ever saw him, you would even say it glows. Rudolph was born, okay, created, in 1939 by Robert May, a 33-year-old copywriter with Chicago-based retailer Montgomery Ward. This was shortly after the decade-long Great Depression, and there were rumblings of an upcoming war. So the spirits at the time weren't altogether bright. Robert was tasked with creating an animal story for the following Christmas to brighten everyone's mood. Hmm, what to do? He and his daughter Barbara loved going to the zoo. Her favorite animal was the reindeer. So naturally... That would be the animal for Robert's new assignment. Gazing over Lake Michigan one day, he got the idea of a misfit reindeer with the now famous oversized glowing nose. Side note, Rudolph's name was almost Rolo, Reginald, Rodney, or Romeo. I think Rudolph was the right choice, don't you? Robert could relate to Rudolph. As a child, he was the smallest in the class, frail, uncoordinated, and never asked to join school teams. The story was created as a 32-page illustrated booklet given as a free gift to children when they visited one of Montgomery Ward's 620 department stores during the holidays. Obviously, this was a very successful commercial strategy. 2.4 million copies were distributed that year, But the following year, the 1.6 million planned didn't come true due to the paper shortages of World War II. Rudolph was all but forgotten until 1946. And with Rudolph's reappearance, he was more popular than ever. Robert May eventually was given full copyright to Rudolph. And we know what's happened since then. 
Rudolph is a beloved holiday reindeer known for overcoming obstacles, embracing differences, and recognizing everyone's unique potential. Meanwhile, he's busy, busy, busy as Santa's helper, delivering gifts on Christmas Eve. He lands on the roof with the other reindeer and the sleigh. And this is where our direction shifts to the fireplace. Now, in this fireplace are Yule logs. Once again, this can be traced back to Nordic tradition and the winter solstice festivals in Scandinavia and Europe. Believe it or not, the Yule log was originally the entire tree. Isn't that crazy? It was chosen and brought into the house with great ceremony. Then, the largest end of the log would be placed into the fireplace with the rest of the tree reaching out into the whole room. The burnt log from the prior year, which had been carefully stored, of course, was used to light this new Yule log. Yule log, but remember, it was the whole tree. (laughs) Merry Christmas! Leaving cookies and milk for Santa is a more recent tradition starting in the 1930s and the Great Depression. This was a time of real hardship, but parents wanted to instill in their children how important it is to give to others and show gratitude for gifts they receive, no matter how meager the offerings available. While there were other origins to this practice from other countries, I'm going to leave it at this for now because we need to move on to the gifts. The custom of giving and receiving gifts goes back to the days of Jesus. The wise men came to him bearing the gifts of frankincense, gold, and mirth. As the years go by, gifting becomes more and more commercialized. But the really important thing is that it's the thought and the act of giving that is so much more important than the actual physical gift. It's a potent lesson that needs to be stressed again and again. What else do we see in our mind's eye when we think of Christmas? Here are some other symbols that we immediately connect to Christmas. Jingle bells, jingle bells, jingle all the way. Oh, what fun it is to ride in a one-horse open sleigh. Hey! You just can't hear jingle bells without thinking of Christmas. And they're everywhere, from sleighs to doors to decorations. Once used to call everyone to church in the ancient times, these bells also signaled the start of sunset. Sunset represented the end of the current day and the start of the new day. So, church services would be the entrance to a new day, which meant right after sunset. In Victorian times, people would go caroling with small bells to accompany their voices. Sometimes they even use the bells without singing. Today, handbell ringing is still very popular. One other fun fact, Jingle Bells was the first song broadcast from space from the Gemini 6 in 1965. Tom Stafford and Wally Serra, the astronauts on that mission, even say they spotted a sleigh in space. Could it have possibly been a Santa sighting? (laughs) Ah, the good old USA, Massachusetts to be exact, claims ownership of creating the candy cane in 1837. 
Actually, they were called candy sticks at first because it was just a straight white sugar stick. But no cause to fret, very quickly thereafter, stripes were added. They switched to be called candy canes in 1866 and then connected specifically with Christmas in 1874. The flavor evolved too, from pure sugar to the wintergreen or the most popular peppermint flavor of today. There's some dispute here though. Legend has it that in 1670, the cane-shaped candy became historical when a choir master at the Cologne Cathedral in Germany bent the sugar sticks into canes to appear as shepherd hooks. Something else, red and white, traditionally seen for the holidays are poinsettias. I'm dreaming of a white Christmas just like the ones I used to know. These plants are native to Central America, and they flower in the winter. It was the first ambassador from the U.S. to Mexico, Joel Roberts Poinsett, who brought the flowers to his Southern Carolina plantation and then started sharing them with his friends. There's also a story about how they came to be associated with Christmas. You want to hear it? Once upon a time, a poor Mexican girl named Pepita wanted to give baby Jesus a gift. She was heartbroken, though, because her family could barely afford feeding themselves, much less having extra money for a gift. A cousin tried to comfort Pepita by telling her that any small gesture would make baby Jesus happy. It didn't need to cost a lot. So Pepita set out to meet baby Jesus and gathered weeds along the path on her way. Something would be better than nothing, she thought. By the time she reached her destination, she had a sizable grouping of green foliage. As she placed it beside baby Jesus, it miraculously blossomed into a bouquet of bright red flowers. Ever after, these plants are known as the flowers of the holy night. Back to my house, the Height residence, we started a new tradition about four years ago. Every Christmas Eve, we have a gingerbread house decorating contest. We divide into two teams, most of the time girls versus boys, and build, decorate, and name our houses. (laughs) Then we put them on Facebook for everyone to vote on their favorite house. It's now something we look forward to, and yes, it's getting a little bit competitive. All in good fun, of course. If you'd like to see this in action, watch my Facebook account, And you can even join in on the voting if you like. To dive a little bit deeper into the story of a gingerbread house, ginger root was first cultivated in China over 5,000 years ago. The Europeans first baked gingerbread in the 11th century when the Crusaders brought back the idea of spicy bread from the Middle East. Ginger is also a natural preservative, which of course was so important back then. Since then, it has been an interesting evolution, including Swedish nuns using it to aid in digestion in 1444. Queen Elizabeth, though, is credited with forming gingerbread into shapes when she created likenesses of her guests in cookie form. The tradition of gingerbread houses, however, comes from Germany in the early 1800s, shortly after the appearance of the new fairy tale, Hansel and Gretel. There's a walled medieval town called Dinglesbull 
that looks like a village full of real-life, colorful gingerbread homes, complete with a small town square and cobblestone pathways and streets. Here's a brand new tradition. One of the newest well-known traditions is from 2005, so very recent, and a story created by Carol Aversald and her daughter, Shonda Bell. Do you know what it is? It's a rhyming story explaining how Santa knows whether you've been naughty or nice. The elf on the shelf, of course. This is a special spy who is sent from the North Pole to keep watch over your behaviors and encourages you to be nice. He watches you during the day and goes back to report his findings each night. Naughty or nice, which list are you on? Have a holly jolly Christmas. It's the best time of the year. I don't know if there'll be snow, but have a cup of cheer. Have a holly jolly Christmas, and when you walk down the street, say hello to friends you know and everyone you meet. Traditions, the ones we cherish from the past and the ones we create for the future, are a way we pull together, connect deeper, and love in the most genuine way. This year, I hope I've given you some inspiration on this show, you've heard some beautiful voices from some young ladies. That would be Eva, Leslie, and Addie. Together, we wish you a very Merry Christmas. I want to wish you a Merry Christmas. I want to wish you a Merry Christmas. I want to wish you a Merry Christmas from the bottom of my heart. Feliz Navidad. Feliz Navidad, Feliz Navidad, Prospero Año y Felicidad. I want to wish you a Merry Christmas. I want to wish you a Merry Christmas. I want to wish you a Merry Christmas from the bottom of my heart.